Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Rams go marching on. Yes, hello, welcome and happy new year from Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County Independent Podcast. Thanks for giving us your time and lending us your ears. And what a start to 2023. Two wins from two, 16 unbeaten now in normal time, at least, and a fantastic eight clean sheets in our last 10 for Derby County. Truly a stunning start to the year. So... How high can Warren's Rams climb? Will we keep winning? And what's going to happen in January, a month which can make or break any team's promotion chances? Joining me, Chris Parsons, in trying not to get too carried away, are Tom. How you doing, mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Chris. How are you? Absolutely loving life. It took me far too long to get my daughter down to bed just now, um, which delayed the start of this. But, you know, we got through it. That's the least of our problems. It was fine. Uh, so absolutely loving what 2023 has offered so far. And Anton Martin's here as well. Happy New Year to you, sir. Hey, Chris. Happy New Year. How are you doing? Good. You have got a major life event, have you not? Talk me through it. Oh, I've got uh, several major life events all coming at the same time, Chris. Yeah, we, it's pretty hectic at the moment. Not not, not going to lie. We, we're moving next weekend. So in the midst of uh, packing, sitting around boxes and, and all of that, but also kind of in the weird limbo state at the moment of having antenatal classes starting in one town tomorrow, midwife appointments in the same town kind of ongoing whilst living in a, a completely different town about an hour and a half's drive away. So lots of lots of driving around, lots of uh, packing and a pretty hectic start all around to the year. But it's it's getting there. It's getting there. We move. No pun intended. <laughs> Rather you than me. Uh, I'll stick to having two children under four, although that's not exactly a walk in the park either. But anyway, speaking of walks in the park, Derby County have flown into the fourth round of the FA Cup, a convincing 3-0 win over Barnsley at Pride Park this weekend. And on paper, a game that I thought might be quite tricky. You know, a, a third round tie against a fellow League One promotion rival who would go above us if they won all their games in hand. But it looks like Derby made it look pretty easy. I mean, Tom, 
this victory that's put us into round four and more on the fourth round draw later on, but that convincing 3-0 home win over a promotion rival, do you think that's an indication of just how far this Derby County side have come under Paul Warren in three months? Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, a really polished and professional performance, especially after a tricky 20 minutes uh, to start the game. I thought Derby were excellent um, for the rest of the game and, and dispatched Barnsley. Uh, but let's be honest, Chris, come on. Um, if we are going, we've got Barnsley at home in the third round of the FA Cup, you expect to go through. Uh, this is no major shock that we've gone through. I've been very disappointed if we'd have gone out to the to Barnsley, regardless of where they are at the moment. Um, and we need to be beating sides like that. And we need to be showing that in the league. And we need to be showing that in the cup. And we have done exactly that. And it's an excellent result. It looked like, Anton, Barnsley did put pretty much their strongest available team out, maybe barring one or two changes. And we'll come on to the goals, but maybe one... At least one, maybe two came from defensive defensive blunders on the away side's part. But look, you can only be what's in front of you as the old adage goes. Like how much do you read into a 3-0 win over a fellow top six League One team in the cup as like a barometer of, of where we are at the moment? I mean, you've got to be pleased with it, without a doubt. I mean, we also put a pretty strong team out, let's be honest. Um, I think that's just the nature of being a League One team, to be honest. No one's squad is is that deep, so everyone's got to put out a, a fairly similar team to to what they put out in the league. I mean, w- what's most pleasing is is to score some goals against a, a fellow promotion rival. Because, I mean, if, if you were to be hypercritical of... Paul Warren in his tenure so far, you'd probably draw attention to the fact that we haven't created loads of chances or scored loads of goals against fellow promotion candidates. I don't think that's a, it would be a very, very harsh criticism to point at him, given the fact that we've, we've drawn a lot of those games as well. And, and we've obviously been, been brilliant in, in games against teams outside of the top six but it's, it's nice to actually put some goals past those teams I, I would take it with a little bit of pinch of salt if I'm honest because it did feel very much like a cup tie today it was very open I don't think it would have been quite the same game had it been in the league we've we've seen very cagey games um, against other kind of top eight teams the likes of Ipswich and, and Portsmouth in recent times probably kind of mainly due to the fact that the top eight are cut above the rest really so you're kind of expected to win all of the games against teams outside of the top eight no no disrespect to to those teams but then when it comes to the the teams against the top six seven eight you it becomes much more cagey and, and we've seen that a lot but nice to score some goals against Barnsley and, and hopefully we can take that confidence in into um, games in the league coming up. The uh, Barnsley manager, Michael Duff, said there were mitigating circumstances. We've got an issue with the penalty. We think the second goal was offside and then we hand them a third goal, but they've outscrapped us. And I think the outscrapping us is a really key point on there. But actually, I do disagree with him with the uh, with regards to the goals. Like The penalty looks like he's got his hand up in the air there. Uh, the goal... Barkhausen is an offside position, but it looks like it comes off a Barnsley player, so that, therefore not. And yes, defensive mistake, but good pressure from Derby. So Derby, I think, have been really impressive in this performance and ex- done exactly what they needed to do to dispatch a, a, a pretty pretty decent League One team. And that's what Derby are at the moment, a pretty decent League One team. But we've made them look really, really ordinary uh, today, which is incredibly pleasing. I, I'm very happy with the way that that's, that's gone today. And I hope that continues for the rest of the month and the rest of the season. 
Yeah, those quotes you mentioned there, Tom, do, I don't know, they do sort of reek a bit of a, of, not of sour grapes, but of a manager who knows that they've been outplayed by the better team, really, and is sort of clutch, perhaps clutching at straws a little bit. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you look at that first goal and a, um, sort of a, comes from a derby set piece and a corner comes in and there is a hand. I try to think if it's a sort of one that you would be disappointed if it's given against you, but I don't think you would. I mean, his arm isn't in a normal position. I don't think they can have too many complaints. And good to see James Collins back in the goals, you'd have to say, Tom. Like, I think it's been a while since he scored, really. I think Burton Albion was his, his last goal, which was, what, five, half a dozen games ago. So even if it is a penalty in the cup, good to see him continuing the scoring habit. A second goal, what a goal that was. From Tommy Barkhausen. I mean, it's a a bit of a weird one, sort of a a few deflections here and there and a a bit of a half-baked attempt by Barnsley to to clear their lines. But the finish is incredibly definitive. And what I wanted to put to you, Tom, is if you think Barkhausen is a little bit underappreciated, really, like he doesn't seem the first option in this Derby team, really, Um, has maybe blown a little bit hot and cold this season, but he's, he has chips in with goals here and there. And uh, he's, you know, scored again today, what, three in his last two games. And I don't know, you, you sort of watch him play and he's maybe not that super dynamic off your seat sort of player who is going to like skin a man and, and produce a match winning moment against one of the better teams in the league. But look, he he's the sort of player who was, it is like a seven out of 10 most weeks. He is consistent. He is super high energy and he's the sort of player you need to really put the lesser teams in this league to the sword, like he helped to do against like Accrington when he scored there and uh, and scoring again today and then scoring oh, again against Accrington last week. So like, where do you see his role in this team? Is he like a certain starter, despite the fact that he's maybe not like the most, like the flashiest attacking option that Derby have? Yeah, I think so. I, I was really excited by his signing and I knew he that he was um he'd been injured quite a lot last season but I thought he was going to be the this the player that we ex- we've seen Nathaniel Mendes Lang to be this year um I think that finish is like is just epitomizes the quality that he's got absolutely took it ruthlessly which is exactly what we need um Jamie from Derby retweets had said like Tom Barkhausen has arrived and I totally agree with him uh on Twitter because like that's exactly the point he needs to get some scoring. Uh, he needs to be assisting goals like regularly and playing in that team and a bit of confidence. And I think him and Nathaniel Mendes-Lang, that is a really dangerous sort of wing play, uh, set of wingers that we've got going forward. And that will supply goals for for the likes of Collins and McGoldrick and things like that going, going forward. So, um, yeah, brilliant goal. And it wasn't offside because it, the I think the tackle comes in for the Barnsley player deflects it back into the um, back into the mix where Barkhausen is in an offside position, but because it's been played back by a Barnsley player, I don't under- I don't understand that offside anymore. Be honest, but in the old ways, that's not offside, uh, and he takes a takes a goal brilliantly for the first goal as well. I think it's Matthew Wolf. I think it is with the hand up. He basically tries to punch the ball away, so um, he's got no excuses there. That's a definite penalty uh, and well spotted by the referee, who I think had a, a reasonably decent game. The timing of Barkhausen's form has has been pretty much perfect as well. You've got to say, um, I mean, we've relied a lot on Nathaniel Mendes Lang in 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 the last four four weeks or so in in terms of providing that outlet and and the majority of our play going through Mendes Lang, and he, he's been brilliant and he's been scoring and creating, so um, that that wasn't a problem, but. We've seen in recent weeks he's needed a bit of a rest, and and we've needed someone else to step up. and And Barkhausen's absolutely done that. It's taken the burden off 
Nat, it, it means that he's, he, I mean, he, he started from the bench today, he did the same against Accrington as well. And hopefully he'll be kind of revitalized going into the next few games where, where no doubt Barkhausen may need a rest or, or others may need a rest. So it's good to have those options. Certainly Barkhausen's best run of form this season in a Derby shirt. The onus is on him now to to continue that and, and to really um, kind of keep that consistent run going, um, which which will be really important into into quite a busy January. He, he did go off with a slight, slight knock today. Haven't heard whether that's something serious, but let's hope not. What a bonus it is, Tom, as well, to have Jason Knight back fit and firing as well. Like It's so obvious what he brings to this Derby County team. We saw it against Accrington last weekend when he sort of forces mistakes and laid it on a plate for Barkhausen and then he got his goal again today. Like You're not getting Max Bird and Conor Harrahan like running box to box and getting on the end of, of sloppy back passes and going sort of doing 50, 60 yard sprints to for, for tap-ins. That's just not who they are. And we don't have anyone else who can do what Jason Knight does in this team. And I just think we're a, a, so much more of a threatening attacking outfit with him in it, if we can get him into that midfield, however we do it. It's just, I, I just feel so much more confident about our chances of staying in the top six when we have an option like him in the middle, getting us goals and assists, don't you? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I can't really add too much to what you said there, Chris, because you really covered it really nicely. Um, he's been a blessing to come back in. Um, he's really electric going forward, um, creates a lot of pressure. And even though he might not necessarily be in the same sort of technical bracket as someone like a Will Hughes, for example, but he he's in that sort of, when I look at him, and I look at the Derby teams of the past sort of 10, 15 years, I look at Craig Bryson in terms of the, the comparison to, to the sort of player because he's he's genuine box-to-box, he's high energy, he gets the crowd going uh, if if Derby are in a bit of a low sort of spell um, and he's really exciting to watch and I, I think he's uh, I think he's definitely one of one of the top sort of three players in the team that we've got and I think it'd be a massive shame if we were to lose him this this January and I, I understand that he, there has been interest obviously in him. Uh, I really hope that we keep him because as you say, if we keep Jason Knight, we, we're a top 16 without doubt and I think we're putting pressure onto that top two. Um, I think we're a little bit too far behind on that one but a lot, a lot more football to be played but Jason Knight's absolutely essential to to our progress in this in this season and beyond. Anton, all I'm going to say is David McGoldrick and Jason Knight, Chris Martin and Craig Bryson, same energy. See where I'm coming from? <laughs> I mean, uh, a little bit different, I would say, in terms of their playing styles, but similar energy. I, I see where you're coming from. I, I mean, on on night, it's, it's so nice to see him back in the team, isn't it? I mean. Our, I don't think it's a coincidence that our pressing in the final third has been kind of noticeably stronger in the last few few games. I think some of that com- comes with just learning the the system, knowing when to go and when not to under Warren. But but Knight just provides that extra bit of energy, and we've created so many chances and scored quite a few goals from winning it back in in the final thirds, and and we obviously did that again today. I mean, don't get me on to David McGoldrick. He's he's just on another planet, to be honest. In 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 this division, um, he obviously wasn't playing today, but um, I, I watched him at Cambridge on uh, the the 30th, and and also on on the TV against Accrington, and he's just absolutely different class. He 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 brings so many players into into position, and and considering he's 
probably twice the age of half the the Derby players on the pitch. He seems to have twice the time as well. He he just twice as quick as them in his head and and kind of twice as quick as the opposition as well. So he's got a, an unbelievable amount of time. And if we can keep him fit, we've we've got a chance against any team in this division, especially when you've got legs like Jason Knight around him. I did see there's a great video that someone got from the stands of of McGoldrick's playing the build-up to some of the goals we Accrington. And he's like, you know, he's doing like no-look through balls, like yeah. reverse passes between defenders. He's absolutely taking the piss at times. It's just, yeah, he is brilliant to watch at this level. And he's been, he's, he's had a lot more to his game than I thought he would have done, really. I just thought he was a bit of like a functional, sort of physical target man and like an option off the bench, really. But no, he's been terrific to watch. And we'll need him and everyone else if we're going to get past West Ham in the fourth round later in Jan. Here's one for you, Tom, as probably the, uh, you know, the man who likes to, who probably has the best memory of all of us for random derby games. West Ham last visited Pride Park on New Year's Eve 2011. Can you remember the score? <laughs> Fly me. Um, yeah, I think I do, actually. I think uh, we won 2-1 or 2 nil. And I think I think I do. Of course you Sean do. Bar- you know you you know what you do. <laughs> Sean Barker scored. I can't remember who got the second one though. But Sean Barker, I'm pretty sure. That must scored. have been their promotion season as well, right? Yeah, we were brilliant. I've seen to recall. Yeah, they they only ever stayed down for one season, didn't they? Uh, we well, got it half right, Tom. Two one, uh, but the goals Barker? came from Paul Green oh. and one Callum Ball. Whatever happened to him, eh? Well, who wow. knows? I remember thinking that when. When I saw that goal, because it was a screamer that Callum Ball scored, wasn't it? I seem to remember. I thought, bloody hell, he's good. He's going to be like our next amazing, he's going to lead the line for Derby for the next 10 years. And he basically never scored for us again. And he's now played for about seven different non-league clubs since then. So it doesn't always work out. But yeah, that was the last time the Hammers visited. I mean, Anton, I've got this down as A, your absolute classic cup tie. Tom meant, Tom thought that this one's a classic cup tie. But, you know, look, League One team having a great season against Premier League team having a pretty bad season. That is like absolute textbook FA Cup tie. I'm all over that. Yeah. But it's winnable. Is it crazy for me to say it's winnable? I mean, I think I was thinking back earlier on the times when decent Premier League teams have come to Pride Park and we've never really covered ourselves in glory or done ourselves justice, have we? I mean, like Southampton under Lampard, we've got a replay and beating them on pens, but then like I'm thinking of sort of Chelsea a couple of times under, under McLaren, Liverpool in the League Cup where we rolled over. I think Man United, maybe about 10, 15 years ago, something like that. I'm, there may be one I'm missing, but this seems like a really good chance because there's no real better time for this Derby team to face a Premier League team, surely? No, no. I mean, without a doubt, it's winnable. Um, and it'll be a really good test of where this worn side is at, to be honest, and, and what we can expect for the rest of the season. They'll probably put a pretty strong team out as well, you'd imagine, because they're, they're under pressure. Moyes is, is desperately needing some wins and a bit of turn, uh, a turn in their fortune. So should be an entertaining game. I, I, I don't think we could have asked for a much better draw, to be honest. I mean, obviously the, the big... Premier League teams away is always a, a really nice day out for the fans and a, a real occasion. But getting a, let, let's be honest, even though they're struggling this this season, they're still a, a top ten Premier League team. They've, they've been playing in Europe recently, and it will be a, a, a great to get a side like that down to Pride Park, hopefully close to a sellout. 
um, may even be on TV as well to get a bit of extra revenue. But it'll be a, a great day for the fans. And as you say, a very winnable game against one of the, the struggling sides, certainly form-wise, in the Premier League at the moment. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, I really hope, Tom, it's a, it gets a decent crowd because like watching some of the goals back from the game, um, the game against Barnsley in the third round, like it's just it's really sad to see the North Stand completely empty, wasn't it? I know that... You can only you should only really fill the parts of the ground where there's demand, but it would be great to see a great turnout. Not the really ones to talk because we didn't go, but <laughs> it would be great to see you know like a really big Pride Park FA Cup home gate. I'm looking at West Ham's team though that they put, that they put out against Brentford, who they beat one nil away in the third round. I mean like Suchek, Declan Rice, Jared Bowen, Mikel Antonio, ex Forest. I'm sure he'll be up for it. Uh, Ag Bonner, Lucas Fabianski and Nett, Craig Dawson, loads of experience there. Even their second string is a, a very decent team. And Anton's probably right. Maybe they are in a bit of a false position in the Premier League. Like, how do you rate our chances? I think uh, as Sheffield Wednesday showed on Saturday night, that anything anything can happen. Like That was a strong Newcastle team that went to Hillsborough and Sheffield Wednesday were... Th- thoroughly deserving of their victory and I think if Derby play as well as they can do like they can they can take take the game to any sort of side and I think West Ham it's confidence isn't it and that's that's so important in football you can have the best players in the world but if they're not not got any cohesion and they're not confident then they can have a massive impact and West Ham have had real difficulty this season um, and those players that you mentioned that they might well be sort of seen as some of them are second string not not in that first team at the moment but they're really top quality players but if they're not they're not playing regularly. They're they're going to be out out of that sort of like match fitness and sharpness and stuff like that. I think Derby have got a real chance. But at the end of the day, if we end up losing that, and even as you mentioned at the beginning of this sort of like part, Chris, where you said we haven't necessarily covered ourselves in glory. We've had a couple of not disappointing. I wouldn't go as far as that, but just where we we felt that we haven't laid a glove on teams who have been from the higher divisions like Chelsea and Manchester United over the past past few years. Um, even if we do go out. That's not that's not the the end of the world. So I think it's a it's a bit of a free hit. Uh, what I'd love to see is a draw because then a, a trip down to London on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, as long as it doesn't hit a parents' evening for me at my school, then I definitely would be there. Um, and that, <laughs> that that's ideal. I, I had actually said to to my girlfriend, I was like, what I really want is Spurs. Arsenal or then West Ham away so I got got halfway there with the uh, with the team but I didn't quite get the uh, the away fixture a replay would be absolutely lovely for us being all London based but I mean there's fascinating battles all over the pitch here Anton like you talked about it being a good test like how's Ma- how would Max Bird get on against Declan Rice like a guaranteed starter for England how will Aaron Cashin get on against Mikel Antonio like a proper Premier League goal scorer like how will <laughs> Louis Sibley get on at left back against Jared Bowen who knows he might have the game of his life I don't know but if we can catch him on an off day and play to our full potential you never know we could get a replay the dream could be on so uh, look we'll see what happens there but before we kick off into the second half don't forget you can follow and support Steve Blim was watching on Patreon this season we're hoping I mean, I've got a bit of work to do but I'm hoping to pull off a couple of absolutely corking interview exclusive interviews for our patrons in the next couple of months so stay tuned there um, I hope I don't disappoint you all and uh, you can of course join our fantastic discord community you'll get some free merch in the post just for signing up we'll buy you a pint if you join I promise that's a guarantee and uh, as I said you can support the podcast going forward so all you have to do is just visit www.patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers washing. 
two-man Forest wall. Gary Teal and Chris Commons standing over it. Surely it will be the former Forest player, Chris Commons, to take. Commons looks up, takes the free kick, delivered it towards Hulse. Yes! Derby have scored! Derby have scored! Rob Hulse! Ten minutes to go at Bright Park, and in the A52 Derby, Rob Hulse's header, a bullet header for the Chris Commons free kick, has put the Rams in front. Hi there, we county fans. I'm Branko Struper. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop. Hi, I'm Mark Poom. And you are listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So then, we can't go much further in uh, in this episode. It's not very often, boys, that we get to talk about Derby being an absolute, uh, absolutely monstrous defensive machine. <laughs> 17 goals conceded in 24 League One games gives uh, makes Derby County the best defence in League One, it's official. And that does include, I think it's five clean sheets in a row and eight in our last 10. We touched on it in the last pod, I think, and I've tweeted about it, but we've done all this with a defensive midfielder at right back, an attacking midfielder at left back, uh, an 80-year-old in Craig Forsyth in the middle. It's just huge credit to Warren and the players. But Anton, I'll ask you first, like... Where is it coming from? Like, how, how has Warren turned this Derby team, who did ship a few goals earlier on in the season and loads at the end of last season, into such a formidable outfit to score against? Well, I mean, it's certainly not personnel that have changed, has it? Because we, we, we haven't signed anyone in, in that period, really, between the Rossinia uh, spell and uh, Paul Warren. So it's, it's purely credit to the coaching staff, really, and getting us drilled and, and organised at the back, we, we it's it's certainly more of a pragmatic style, which has sometimes frustrated fans. But the best teams in in any league kind of build from the back. You've you've got to be defensively strong to get promotion out of League One, out of the Championship, and 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 challenge in the Premier League as well. So it's it's definitely reaping its rewards. I, I think I mean Joe Wildsmith has been a, a huge part of that. I know we've given him a shout out on quite a few of the recent pods, but. Uh, I, I want to keep doing it as long as he's continuing his, his scintillating, scintillating form. I mean, even today. Made a really good save at 0-0 today, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. We, we bossed the majority of the game, but had that that had that had chance gone in on, on about four minutes, it could have been a very different story. So Wildsmith's been a huge part of it. Obviously, Fozzie and Cashin have been absolutely superb. Um, I, I, I do think the, the kind of pressing further up the field there's really been a, a positive influence on it as well um I touched upon it in the first half I think we, we're really starting to learn how Warren wants to press and that's starting to take some of the pressure off the defense and, and ease the burden a little bit that the higher that we can win it up the pitch the less chance the, the fewer chances we're going to concede it's it's kind of by definition really so it's it's, it's all across the pitch but but certainly huge credit to to Wildsmith Fozzie and, and Cash. By my reckoning, Derby have conceded only seven goals since Paul Warren came in in the league. Um, any ideas how many games before, uh, so prior to Paul Warren coming in, how many games did it take us to concede seven goals before Warren came in? Any guesses? Well, that was Plymouth shortly before, wasn't there? And we conceded three in that one alone. Probably about four. 
yeah, bang on, Anton. Four games. So we we lost. Uh, we beat Wickham two one. Uh, we lost two 0 to Lincoln. Uh, we lost three two to Plymouth, and we beat Peterborough two one. In those games, obviously, we conceded seven goals. So since the first of October, we've only conceded seven league goals, which is absolutely outstanding. And uh, apologies if I've miscounted there uh, to our listeners, but that that just shows the quality of the the training and the the sort of like shape that we've we've put in. And yes. I think we're 16 games unbeaten. It's eight wins, eight draws, and there's been some frustrating ones. The last league goal we conceded was against Burton. And you go, oh, how are we possibly drawing against Burton who are losing like four or five goals against uh, teams all over the place and lost against Grimsby in the Cup this uh, this weekend? Uh, yes, it's frustrating. And it's just that like, that hasn't quite come with the consistency, but that's a phenomenal effort. And I, I have to say, like I was a bit surprised that Wasenia was... Um, was given shown the door uh, back in October, and then Paul Warren was like brought in. But actually, it it's shown to be like a, a really promising appointment. And I, I I'll hold my hands up and be like, I'm surprised with how quickly and how well it's gone. And it is from as you say, Anton, building from the back is is really showing the team, which is difficult to beat. And if we'd have had Paul Warren at the beginning of the season, I actually think we'd be we we'd be up there with the uh, the Ipswiches, the Sheffield Wednesdays, and the Plymouths at the top in the top three. Um, I know we're fourth at the moment, so I think we'd still be in the same position, but I think we'd be a lot closer to those teams. And I think second half of the season, they've got a lot to play for. And I really think we've got a great chance of like going on and, and trying to challenge into that. And we should certainly be consolidating a playoff place. So come on then, boys. Next few games. Bit of a mixed bag, really, for fixtures coming up. Cheltenham next weekend, which me and Tom are going to. Then Bolton at home, who obviously around Derby. Then Port Vale away, who are... I'm looking at League One table now. Solidly mid-table in 10th. Then it was going to be Plymouth away, but actually that's been moved because it's West Ham at home in the Cup. And Morecambe at home, Wickham away, Lincoln at home, Charlton at home. How long is the unbeaten run lasting, do you think? Can we go 20? No reason why we can't. We've got some good opportunities coming up. Um, I mean, definitely some winnable games away. Um, and and probably the, the more difficult games at home. And we've seen certainly in recent weeks that the home form has returned um i mean we've we've won i think six out of the last seven at home in all competitions and scored a lot of goals i think it's 21 in the last seven games at home so if we can keep up that pretty formidable home record scoring goals and being tidy at the back as well there's no reason why we can't continue that run against any team in this division and, and we've got to go in with confidence against any team as well bit of an asterisk against this run I always had to point it out Tom because it's just dependent in me about you know 16 games are beaten but we did lose to Liverpool on penalties but putting that aside how good would it be to go 20 games unbeaten with the 20th game being beating Premier League West Ham at home like that would be such a confidence boost for the rest of the season, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It'd be a, a great confidence boost. But I, I, I don't think those runs are important. I remember the uh, the Jim Smith team, I think it was 20 league games that we went unbeaten from losing to Tranmere uh, until I think maybe a defeat against Sunderland or so in, in the April time. And that was a phenomenal run, which propelled us up the table. We don't need to, to worry about these unbeaten runs. We've got some difficult fixtures. We've got Bolton uh, at home. We'll obviously have the rearranged game against Plymouth, which will be under the lights, which could be a which means we won't maybe take as many fans as we might do if it was on a Saturday. Um, and that could have an impact in terms of the atmosphere and support that we get. But at the same time, it could could actually galvanise the side because like, it'd be maybe a bit more vocal. So like, there's I don't think that it's important to think about like how many games are we unbeaten. I'd rather us be winning games. And actually, if you go four games unbeaten and you draw the four, I'd actually rather win two 
and lose to. Uh, it depends, obviously, who you're losing to in terms of how you gain the league. But you gain more points from that, don't you? So we need to turn some of those draws into victories. And um, it's not a, it's not a shame if we're going to lose a game as long as we try and pick up points against our rivals. Like uh, I think the Bolton game and the Plymouth game are the two big ones over the next couple of months. Yeah, it's funny that you make that point. It's completely valid because... Um... As regular listeners will know, my other half is a Huddersfield fan and we've been together since they had that 43 match unbeaten run in League One about 10 years ago. It's obviously great and it was like a club record, but towards the end, it was just all draws. It was just draw after draw after draw after draw and it almost cost them, well, it cost them automatics in League One and I think they lost like a playoffs, a playoff final in the middle of somewhere as well. So there's a big asterisk against that one, but these unbeaten runs can be a bit of a not a monkey on your back, but they can sort of weigh on your mind a bit. There's a great section in, in Groundwork, uh, Ryan's book on, on the Jim Smith team and how he got a psychologist to handle uh, when Derby did lose that 21 or 20 game unbeaten run in the league. And the psychologist basically told Jim Smith to tell the players, thank God that's over. You know, we can start again and sort of reset. It's not a thing anymore. So there are definitely ups and downs to having the unbeaten run. There's the growing confidence. There's knowing that no other team in the league can beat you, but it can also be a bit of a a thing around your neck that can hold you back in a way almost, can't it, can't it Anton? Yeah, it actually reminds me of um, a few articles I read about Argentina actually going into this World Cup where they, they were on, it was a ridiculous unbeaten run of like 30 odd games or something including winning the copper america in in that and a lot of their fans were almost willing them to lose in the build-up to to the world cup because it was just such a weight on their shoulders and they feel that in a way losing against saudi arabia in that first game was was the best thing that could have happened because we all know what happened after that game. They kind of turned it around. So, yeah, I, I agree with Tom. Like, we, we shouldn't get too hung up on it. And, and I, I don't think, having seen Paul Warren's character over the last three or four months, I, I don't think he would allow the players to do so. It's it's very much, as long as we're playing well, picking up points, that's that's all that matters. Who cares about these unbeaten runs as, as long as we're, we're winning games and, and playing some nice football and pleasing the fans? The goals are flowing, the clean sheets are coming thick and fast, which is brilliant. But um, I was going to mention the fact, Tom, that Derby have, I looked it up earlier, had, I think it's nine different goal scorers who've got at least a couple of goals this season. So the goals are being spread around, which is great. And I think we've had six different scorers in the last three games with uh, James Collins back in the goals, Connor Harahan back in the goals, which is great. Lewis Dobbin getting the winner against Cambridge. That was particularly satisfying to see from a personal level for him. Um, but one player who won't be contributing anymore is Will Asula. The chance gone with him, boys. That's a massive shame because that had massive potential. Um, although I sort of tweeted at the time that I felt that his performance in a Derby shirt was a little bit like the performance of that song, really. like It was great fun to begin with, had a lot of promise, but maybe it just got a bit tired towards the end didn't quite have the legs and the longevity to go for the whole season if you know what I mean it's a bit of a tenuous analogy but five goals for Derby uh, three of them three or four of them in the in the cup against Torquay so what do you make of his performance and most importantly do you agree with the decision to send him back and I think it was a decision to send him back it was branded as he's been recalled but I think if we wanted to keep him we would have done so 
what was your reaction to that move? I mean, I, I think he did okay in his, his time in a Derby shirt. I mean, given his, his age, you're not expecting him to necessarily rip up any trees. He scored quite a few goals as well. So I'm not too disappointed with his time at Derby. I, I just think he wasn't necessarily Paul Warren's sort of player. I, th- I think what did it f- did for him really was his... He, he just wasn't on the same level as as Collins or, or McGoldrick in their hold-up play specifically. He he was very much sitting on the, the last line of defence and, and looking for the ball over the top, which, which worked very well against um, the likes of Accrington, but it's not necessarily how Paul Warren wants to play. So getting him off the books and freeing up that new loan um, space, I think is sen- sensible business, to be honest. I, I think there are there are positions around the pitch where we we need the strength more than, than up top with, with when we've got Collins and, and McGoldrick in the form that they're in. Dobbin can also play up there as well. I'd much rather see someone come in, say, right back to free up Corey Smith, go, go into midfield, or just provide that extra bit of cover at at centre back or or centre midfield, where I feel like if if we get one or two injuries in those positions, we we might be a little bit short. So I'm I'm not overly disappointed with, with Asula. He did okay, um, but I think it's it, it's a win win. I think. Let's face it, Tom. The elephant in the room was that Asula's last contribution was getting sent off, and even if Warren was in two minds about him, it seemed pretty evident from the body language that he gave him when Asula walks off the pitch having been dismissed was clearly the, the final straw for him. I mean, we discussed this a bit on our Discord and uh, so a couple of the guys said that maybe didn't quite work hard enough, that wasn't, didn't really fit in with Warren's style, which uh, Anton has, has described well there. But you know, look, fundamentally, it does free up a loan spot and it means that maybe we can get someone in quickly rather than having a loan player suspended for three games. So it's partly his performance, but I think, yeah, the Akronton sending off was... Uh, was clearly the uh, you know you know it was clearly the final straw there. Like, was it a sending off for you? It seemed it was harsh, but it was naive and it was a bit petulant, really. End of day, wasn't it? He kicks him, he kicks him off the ball, and it's a red card. You can't you can't do that, can you? I mean, it it is soft, as you say, and it is harsh. Um, I'm trying to remember the player. I think it was um, who was the uh, extra. Uh, former Exeter player who played at left back for us. Dean Moxie. Yeah, Dean Moxie. I think he got sent off against uh, Nottingham Forest. And I remember being in the North Stand at, at the game. We lost 1-0 and just being like, oh, I'd, I'd never want to see him in a Derby shirt again. I can't believe he's done that. It was a stupid, petulant, ridiculous tackle that he made. And Nigel Clough obviously felt exactly the same. I think he sold him uh, within a week or so. I think he'd gone to Palace by the end of that January time. And I, I think, yeah, with Azula, you look at that, you're 4-0 up. You're, yes, you're getting some rough treatment from centre-backs who probably aren't as good as you. And if you're going to lash out a little bit like that, then it's just naivety. It's stupid. And uh, we can't afford to be doing that. And we haven't got enough players in the squad. We only named six substitutes today. So, so yeah, I do think that there's a few things that didn't quite fit in. Azula, I don't think, quite fit in with the worn sort of system. But I also think that I don't think he was good enough if I'm being brutally honest and I, it wouldn't surprise me if he'd never made it above a sort of League One championship level in the future because like, he doesn't look like a sort of player who's really tearing things up. On the other hand, I do think Dobbin, despite his like challenges and the frustrations that we've had, he, he doesn't seem to take his chances. He's a really technically brilliant player and I, I could see him playing in sort of championship Premier League level uh, a little bit later on in his career. 
Blimey, that's a that's pretty strong stuff, Tom. I mean, me and Kutch had uh, had a Sula down as the next Paolo Wanchop after a couple of step overs with Gamebridge, and now you're <laughs> saying he's uh, never going to play above League One or Championship level. Do you agree with that, Anton? I, I think he's still got potential to be honest. So I, I think, as I mentioned before, he, he doesn't quite fit in this team, but a team that plays perhaps um, kind of more balls over the top, where where you're looking for a really pacey striker, or maybe with with kind of Two, two up top, kind of two, two very, very number nine style forwards. Like he, he could slot in very nicely. We, we show he showed he's got finishing ability and he's got bags of pace, um, which we saw uh, in in at least a couple of games. So I, I think it's a little bit early to write him off. Um, I, I, I actually found Paul Warren's comments after the red card quite interesting. I'm not sure if you you heard those. He, he said he he wouldn't want to be too critical of someone in that situation because he actually did exactly the same when he was a young forward. Um, he, he said that it, it can it can just happen when, when you're young and naive and, and really eager to please, especially when you're, when you're on the bench and, and coming on trying to make an impact. So a, a small shove in the back can wind you up a little bit. So I, I don't think we can hold it too much against him. And I, I don't think we can hold his time at Derby too much against him either. I, I hope he gets a, another low move for the re- remainder of the season. And I hope he does well. There you go. Well, all we wish, we wish him all the best despite uh, a somewhat undignified end to his Derby spell. And uh, on a similar theme, we're going to wrap it up there, I think. But it's a great position to be in for Derby. 16 games unbeaten. We don't get to say anything like that anywhere near enough as uh, fans of this club. And do you really think we'd have been saying that in the summer when we only had five players and didn't know what the future held? So huge credit to Warren, to uh, to Richie Barker, to Matt Hampshire in, in putting this run together and everyone behind the scenes as well. We're, we're really proud of this Derby team and uh, this guy feels like the sky's the limit right now. So... We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Give us a follow on social, won't you? At Steve Bloomer Pod on Twitter or search Steve Bloomer's Washing on Facebook and Instagram. And Tom Martin, thank you for your time. Cheers, Chris. Bring on 20. Absolutely. And Tom, on we go. On to 25 then. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Cheers for listening. 